It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and with me, my co-host, Phil Emery. How are you doing, Phil? From St. John's, I'm doing quite well because it's actually sunny today. So it's, oh, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. Is that nice. unusual? Uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty unusual. So, you okay. know, when the weather is nice, you do get up and enjoy it. But Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes, doing good. Great. And uh, in the guest spot tonight, we have uh, Toronto-based singer-songwriter Carmen Toth. How are you, Carmen? Good. Thanks for having me on. Great <laughs> to have you back on the show. You've been a, a guest and even a guest host a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Uh, I think this is number five. I think. First time you've been on the show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Years. Awesome. Great. Glad someone's keeping track. <laughs> okay. And for everyone else, please send your comments and questions to at Song Talk Radio on Facebook or Instagram or feedback at songtalk.ca for the email and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And please visit songtalk.ca to see the show post for this episode, to find links to resources we mentioned, and to download lyric and chord sheets to follow along with the songs uh, that we feature. And uh, before we get uh, to talking about Carmen's song tonight, um, a little bit of news that just dropped a couple days ago, um, about half of Bandcamp employees have been laid off. This is from The Verge.com, um, uh, published on October 16th. And um, they said, yeah, the, um, the the company song trader that owns Bandcamp purchased, purchased Bandcamp from Epic Games. Um, they've laid off um, 50% of their people, which is a remarkably a large number of people, I would imagine. <laughs> There's a lot of people who work there too. It was like, um, say, 820 or something um, really? staff members, which is. We must do a lot of stuff we're not aware of. I was surprised at how big it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, um. um to, or 830 employees. Uh, last month it laid off 16%, which is 830 employees. Oh, so they did this before. Which is, that's a lot, 830 people. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, and then um, additional 250 after that. So, yeah. I don't know anything about their internal operations or anything like that. I just, I've just been, always been a fan of Bandcamp. They've always been the one company that, that pays artists the most. Yeah. Even you know, after the pandemic, they started that Bandcamp Fridays thing where they didn't even take a cut themselves. They gave yeah. on, on the first so the first Friday of every month. Um, they, they gave all the proceeds to the artists. Because Carmen, on, on your latest album release, you released it on Bandcamp exclusively before you went to Spotify and everybody else, right? I did. And I timed that well, didn't I? Uh-huh. Because, and there were a couple of reasons for that, why I did that. One was it had to do with timing. I was like really, really busy with, with work and, uh, and getting ready to move. Cause I had found out I needed to move, but I, I had a show booked and I wanted to do the album release with the show. So what's great about Bandcamp is I could, you can do a lot. You can upload it yourself. And I know you can upload yourself with other, um, you know, online providers and such, but I, uh, I, I really like that Bandcamp gives so much money to the artists. And of course I'm a big fan of Bandcamp Friday, but I knew if I released it on Bandcamp first, that people would be much more likely to purchase it. And I was correct mm-hmm. because yeah. I had my best like purchases 
uh, online ever through, through Bandcamp by releasing exclusively on Bandcamp. And then another thing that I did was at my release show, because I didn't print physical CD, like I didn't do physical CDs this time, right? I might down the line, but I didn't this time, like for this first release. Um, I actually had little um, promotional cards with QR codes that would take you directly to the Bandcamp page so that you could go and purchase it there. So, uh, yeah, I didn't release it on a Bandcamp Friday because of when the show was booked, but I did make some more sales on Bandcamp Friday. For sure, I, for sure. I will say I did wonder if they were losing profits with the Bandcamp Friday. I did wonder about that because my day job is advertising and we have to think about budgets all the time and yeah. our budgets are the first to go. Any, any company will cut their advertising budget first. Yeah. So I, I wondered about how they could afford to do that for so long. Yeah, I always wondered when they were going to stop that. <laughs> well, I was looking actually at, at their process, and, I, and I've actually never used uh, Bandcamp directly. I think maybe one of my bands have uh, released things through various um, channels using one of the other providers. Mm -hmm. But um, I always, whenever a company doesn't charge for their service, and they take a cut of, you know, a very small cut, of every purchase. But the problem, when you think about the whole organization, I'm sure they have thousands upon thousands of people who sell probably nothing mm -hmm. or sell maybe two tracks. Um, so just taking a little bit of money for each, each transaction probably isn't enough really to make it's probably okay for a company that's going to be private and small and kind of just what it is. But when you get bought out by the companies and they're looking for growth and they're looking for investments and, you know, maybe to build it up into a, um, a billion dollar company so they can sell it off, that kind of process doesn't work all that well. Just taking out a little bit of money, the fact that they charge that anyone can open up an account, make use of their services, upload, um, take space on their services, take, a, take bandwidth, uh, take uh, time because the people have to do something. Um, and possibly, probably not generate any money for them at all. Probably, I would imagine probably 80% of the people there probably cost band come camp money as opposed to making the money. So well, it, always, for sure, yeah. it always made me think like it's great for a small, you know, for a smallish company, although it, laying off 820, 30 people, I, you know, it's obviously a big company, but I don't know. It seems like a... A business model that is fraught for peril, at least. Mm. And they, they have recently started doing this thing where if you if you hit an if you hit an album and you just play it on their website, they will stop you after like two or three plays through of that album. They'd be like, okay, now it's time to buy it. Oh. And they won't they, they won't let you play that because you could just use it as a streaming thing. Like I just go yeah play an album as much as I want to before but I mean this the same sort of thing went went through with SoundCloud SoundCloud for a long time you could upload stuff continue like as much as you wanted I mean SoundCloud put put limits um on your I started using Bandcamp after I ran out of space on SoundCloud <laughs> basically um but you know but SoundCloud started introducing advertising audio advertising in, mm -hmm. in their thing so you get a track on SoundCloud you have to listen to an ad or two first before before you listen to it. I don't know how much that has helped SoundCloud, but you know, right. camp to this to this day, they must have they have advertising in the sidebar, don't they, on the website? I don't know if they do. I they might now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall ever seeing an ad on my page, but that's, yeah, I don't, I don't recall seeing any ads. Yeah. But um, that is a good point though, Phil, like there's probably majority of their users or their artists don't, don't, don't actually, uh, generate any revenue for them. It would be interesting to see what the numbers were, like how much revenue yeah, an artist has like to make to before that. they actually make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, even at, at scale, and I'm sure a lot of it's automated, but still there's, you know, servers are not cheap and bandwidth isn't cheap and electricity isn't cheap and people aren't cheap and, yeah, yeah. you know, it's going to catch up to you eventually. But it's, it's certainly a different a different thing than than distribution. Like you were talking about that, Carmen, too, like, mm-hmm. like distribution. It takes longer. You have to go, go to DistroKid or CD Baby or one of the other providers and then they've distribute it to all the different services and stuff. When when I when I released my Electropop EP a few years ago now, I actually found one that was free. I found rootnote.com that is the same sort of model as Bandcamp. They, they, there's a free plan. They do have a, pre, a, a premium plan as well. Um, but um, that one even took longer. It took like almost four weeks, I think, to upload everything. Oh, wow. Uh, distribute everything. But I wasn't in a rush. I was like, I don't care. Go ahead, yeah. take your time. And, 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 and the idea was that, yeah, they just take a cut of of your streaming revenue right and i'm like this thing was never a money-making thing for me anyway so i, I didn't care i just did it and, and and it was fine um there were a couple of little technical snafus and things like that but i suppose that's the case even with distrokid and cdbp i'm sure it's not mm-hmm. sure it's not seamless as as they like to think it is um but yeah but bandcamp bandcamp has always been an outlier in that in that regard that you could upload an album with artwork and lyrics and everything yeah you know, and it was just there and, and it was instantly available. You did not have to wait. Yeah. I, I really love the control aspect of it. I, I will say there is, there might be an opportunity in all of this though, for artists. So I was reading another article, not the one that you sent me, but a different one. Um, I'm sure a quick Google could find it, but there, um, I read something about licensing mm-hmm. and that there would be licensing opportunities for artists, specifically for video games. Cause I guess the company, like there's it's who a bought them. Company. Yeah. So because it's a gaming company, but they actually will start looking for songs for usage in some of these games and perhaps other things. So I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, because uh, licensing and song placements is how you can really make money. So I was happy to read that. And I could also see it. It's probably going to go. I think it already has a paid uh, a paid option or it will soon. That's the other thing. That's why I'm just so oh, glad I, I released my album on it when I did. I'm like, I got the last hurrah. Yeah, it was, it's, it was bought by Epic Games, which is a huge company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so if, games make so much money. Um, they they yeah, do. It's huge, and, huge, and it's a huge, yeah. it's a hugely growing um, industry. Like there's just games coming out all the time. And like for, I do voice acting too. And for voice actors, it's also really cool mm. to get your voice in video games. So to get your music in video games, mm. I don't know, like I, I'm trying to see the silver lining and an opportunity there like that, that part of it excites me. I'm not happy to hear about all the layoffs, mm. but I, I suspect that they were operating on a not very good business model for a while. It kind of sounds like it. You know. Yeah. There is business or uh, Bandcamp Pro for $10 a month. Oh. Okay. Uh, targeted yeah. messaging, private streaming, ad, ad-free video hosting. Um, oh, so there okay. are, there is ad list. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't notice any of the ads, but yeah. I guess I'm not on it enough. <laughs> I'm on it from time to time. I've been listening to a lot of the new Peter Gabriel stuff because he's releasing his stuff on Bandcamp. 
Oh, is he? Yeah, I yeah. saw him live recently. I saw him live uh, September, okay. yep, in, in September. And oh my God, what an experience. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it was my fourth time, third or fourth time seeing him. And he, mm. it's, if, if you like music, if you appreciate art and you appreciate music, you will appreciate what he does. He's just, yeah. He is an artist artist. Oh, he, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. So I saw him live at the, on the Up tour. So 10, 20 years ago, almost, I guess. <laughs> I, twice on that tour. So as I'm, as I'm twice I, on the tour. I actually have a Peter Gabriel story. I don't know if we have time for it now, but I did. I did. I had the opportunity to meet him and I really fangirled oh, yeah. and he took it very well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember you mentioned that before. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so my cousin uh, goes to adult band camp with his bass player, Tony Levin, who runs this band camp. I don't remember the name of it. And we, so when we went to go see Peter Gabriel, when he was touring with Sting in 2016, we managed mm -hmm. to score back backstage passes and we were expecting to meet Tony Levin and Peter Gabriel walked in. Mm -hmm. So people lined up to get to talk to him. And then when it was my turn, I said, okay, so like, I love you. And the whole room <laughs> just erupted in laughter. And he was just so, he was so like, just cool about it. He's like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and then, and then I said, can I get a photo? He goes, oh, sure. And he goes, where's the photographer? And I, and I, and I hold up my phone and I go, it's right here. And he looks at me and he goes, is this a selfie? And I'm like, Am I taking Peter Gabriel's first selfie? I think I'm going to die. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was just, yeah, I really feel so my my cousin and my cousin's friends that were with us won't let me hear the end of it. They just mm. they tease me about it every chance they get. How I fangirled over Peter Gabriel. Yeah, I, 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 I'd probably turn into a fangirl if I ever met him. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Very, very sweet, very sweet guy, very nice. I'm sure, I'm sure. Very yeah. humble, very soft-spoken, very sweet, like just he does. I don't think he takes his fame for granted at all. No, at all. He's worked hard for it his whole life. Yeah, he oh, has. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be dangerous to meet your heroes because sometimes you meet them and they're fine, but you come off as weird and they just yeah, you just kind of make a complete ass of yourself. And that happened to me, and I sort of thought, oh, I was. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the main event. <laughs> um, so we're uh, we're here with Carmen Toth, and um, Carmen Toth is a Toronto singer songwriter with a power pop sound reminiscent of the '80s and '90s. Whether on acoustic guitar playing solo or on electric with a full band, her unique childlike voice, relatable lyrics, and catchy hooks have drawn comparisons to Stevie Nicks, Cyndi Lauper, and Kate Bush. Active in the independent music scene since 2003, Carmen has three EPs to her credit, and her first full-length album, Fix the World, is currently available exclusively on Bandcamp. Fix the World is slated for release on all streaming platforms in early 2024. So welcome back to the show, Carmen. Yeah, thank you so much. Great. And, it's um, exciting we're be, to be back. Yeah, great to have you back. Um, we're going to be talking to Carmen about the title track from her album, Fix the World. Um, so let's take a listen to the song and then we'll chat about it.
to unpack in this song yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> is, is, is this is this in your view a protest song a little bit yeah little it's bit. kind of an angry an angry feminist protest song yeah. it's it, it it stems from a little bit of confusion and and kind of disdain for you know what it's like to live as me in a society and what females are expected to be um, I'm really curious to get your first impressions on like what you might think it's about or what it made you think about. Um, um, or would you like me to just talk about like exactly what it's about or what inspired me to write it? <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of I took it like that. There's only that one line in the, I'm going to call it the bridge, but we're going to get to that in a minute. Wait. <laughs> um, uh, um, we left the men in charge too long. That, that really gives it a, a feminist um, mm -hmm. angle, yeah. if you will. Um, but other than that, it doesn't come across as a feminist song. It doesn't come across as angry and confused. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and, 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 and a little bit, not like confused, but there's, a, there's, there's certainly a hopelessness to it. Yeah. Right? Because it's, it, it's a question, how are we going to fix the world? And, and there's no, you know, there, there's, a, there's a little bit at the end of, of 
a proposed solution maybe <laughs> but even that's kind of doubtful um oh. and 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 everything so it's yeah to, to me it's it, it, it to me it is a protest song it's 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 showing it's it, it, it's it's showing the error of our ways if you will um yeah. and and that's where we have it but um what was the uh, writing process like this on, on so, song? How'd... So my songs are kind of weird. Some get written really fast and some take forever to finish. So this was one of the, one of the fast ones. Uh, like there are like little, a little adjustment made later where I just, where we ended up shortening the first chorus, but that's it. Like all the words initially are there um, as they were in the first draft. Was this, um, did you start off with um, sort of lyric, like lyrics or did you start off with the, the chords or? It came together. It came together. So I, I picked up my guitar and, um, and I, I just started playing this chord progression, like going back and forth. Like I think it started with a, and sadly, I don't think in chords. I, ne I never did. I go by how it sounds. And I was just doing this. I know there's a G, oh, what is it? I was playing, oh, according to this, I was playing an E, D, C, because I have recording on the page that I'm looking at now. So I'm looking at the chart for it. Um, but I was just kind of going back and forth playing these chords. And then I just, I just, the, the words just started flowing out of me. How can I get through to you when you're not, when, when, when I'm selling, you're not buying. So then, so, and you'll notice it goes from like soft, kind of soft to angry. And it's just like, okay, what, how I'm meant to behave. So the soft parts where it's building, building, building. And then the chorus was like, <laughs> and then building, building, building. And then the chorus is like, <laughs> Um, so I was, you know, at the time I was, I was practicing a lot of like power chords, right? So I was working on a power chord progression after that other, other progression. So just kind of moved my fingers another way and started playing that and then started, started singing what was the chorus. Now, initially the first draft of it, the, it, it was longer. So it's a little bit shorter now. And the only change was the, the first chorus is just, just a little bit shorter. Um, instead of repeating. So you did have the um, the two dynamics between the verse and the chorus sort of mm -hmm. right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I, I wrote another song that night too. And I, I wish, I, I hope I have. And, and you know what, given all the other things that have gone on in my life lately, I'm probably due to have another, another evening like that, where I just do songs just kind of fall out of me. Um, Cause I wrote my other song that's on my uh, EP safety net distance that night. I wrote that song that night too. Did you did you go through much in the production, um, changing the song at all, or? Um, no, that's the interesting thing. Is like so. Some of my other like there's eleven songs on the album, and um, this one, arrangement wise, stayed the same. And it was just a matter of of figuring out how we were going to express it. We knew that we wanted to have the the big um, uh, contrast between the verses and the chorus because that's a tempo change too, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't actually, the only song we did to a click was my solo acoustic song on the album, which is ghost. And, and the, and the percussion isn't on it. That was just so that my, cause it's just an acoustic guitar in my voice and then a, a viola player. Um, so that, that had a click, but everything else, we just like the band and I built it. So I should say it's Joel Wasson, um, my um, producer, Joel Wasson, who is drumming on the song. Um, and that's also produced by John Critchley of Green Door Studios. And that's when we record, we recorded the vocals at his studio. So we did bed tracks at a different studio. Um, and it was actually my bass. So the bass player on this track is Drew Atkins. Um, and he does some really cool stuff on it too. All the, all the um, lead vocals, backing vocals are me. 
Um, and then the lead guitar is Michael McKenzie. So he did, it's funny initially. Okay. So one thing production wise that I almost removed and then I didn't was, um, so initially it was only me playing guitar on this. Um, Oh no, I lied. Joel has a little, a small little acoustic part where he just strums some chords. So, uh, but then when our lead, so lead guitarist was supposed to come in and just do lead guitar, but when he took an acoustic guitar and he added another layer uh, and made it sound a little, just a little bit more country-like. And initially I was like, what is that? That's not my guitar. What's that doing in there? And I got all like about it. And then I realized, well, yeah, but it sounds good. So I guess I'll leave it. <laughs> so that was the only, and then, um, and then interestingly enough, like, the mix and the masters sounded very, very different to me as well. And that was the other thing. So that was like more of a post thing. And it was just like, it just, I got, my brain got so used to how the, the mix sounded that it resisted the master. Um, Cause it just sounded crisper and it sounded so different to me. So then he actually like did something to it to make it sound a little more analog. And then that didn't, it didn't have the same, you couldn't hear everything. So I'm like, okay, no, no, put it back, put it back. Yeah. So it was more, it was more the things after we, after we re recorded it. Um, or after so, we so the recording was it was it captured the band captured uh, like four off the floor kind of thing yeah okay, so, playing so we got the drums from off the floor all playing together and that's where we got the drum track and mm -hmm. then we went in and did the individual tracks so, this, so, so. the bass and the, and the guitars and stuff were overdubbed um i i yes so oh, i i believe okay. so um uh, without a click <laughs> yeah without a click but to the drum beat so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we played all together as a band and then we took the, the drum yeah. and then, and then we, um, I, I think Drew must've done the bass by himself. I, I, you know what, sadly, and they'll be able to answer that. I don't know if we use the original bass and drums from that uh, off the floor or not. That mm -hmm. I'm not sure of. And I should get you that answer. I should know this. <laughs> I should really know this. No, and I'm, and I'm, only, I'm only, only yeah. curious because like you say, Phil, like that's how they used to do it. Sure enough, but they didn't often have, you know, significant tempo changes from verse to chorus and back again and <laughs> joel has been drumming since he was a teenager so mm. it's kind of ingrained and we also see this was this album like the opportunity to make this album was a really unique and interesting opportunity because we did it over covid right when everything shut down and shows were getting canceled and and you know i was and and even even work schedules were weird right like the type of the nature of work that i do advertising like i was i was unserved for a bit because i didn't really have steady work at the time either so we all had all this time on our hands and then um, Drew, our bass player, has a home studio. So what we were able to do was, was build the song, like just practically build a sound together and just play a lot. Like we had a rehearsal every single week, sometimes twice a week, just to, to build this sound and, and get comfortable playing with each other. And that might be, might be why. So that, that really worked. So then, yeah, so then off the floor, getting the drums and maybe the bass, but maybe not. I think Drew did record the bass on his own. Let's just go with that after after the fact. And then I came in to do the rest of the, um, the instruments. So I, I play a, acoustic on this and also my electric. And I learned how to play electric for this album as well. And then after the fact, Michael McKenzie, um, he's in the band Lowest of the Low, if you may, in a lot of other bands, but that's the one you may have heard of. Uh, then he did the, the lead parts, but also that additional acoustic part that makes it sound just a little bit more country on the verses. Um, and then we were gonna, the other thing we did at the studio where we recorded all the instruments was we actually recorded the vocals as well, but we did, we did redo them. 
But on the album, there are some vocals that are the original from, from the first studio. And yeah, it was, it was, I, I called them my, even though I didn't get a factor grant, I called them my factor grant. Like I called Drew my factor grant because I wouldn't have been able to afford all like, you know, a drummer, a bass player, studio time, rehearsal space. Like I got very, very lucky. I got a really unique um, and valuable opportunity. So I feel very fortunate that I got to do all that. But they, yeah, the Green Door Studios, I, I had to pay. <laughs> that I had to pay for that time. But reasonable, absolutely reasonable. What, so, what, 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 kind of, what kind of feedback are you receiving on this song for, like, for your fans and stuff? Are they, are they digging it? or? Um, I'm getting really good feedback on this album. People are really, mm-hmm. really liking it. Uh, my last album, Safety Net, was a little bit more uh, 80s and pop. And people mm-hmm. um, seem to be really resonating with the, the, the more gritty, raw sound of, of this album, like the, mm-hmm. the sincerity to it. Like it's I'm bringing out my rock a little more like the the edge. Um, but was, nobody was is that really was that really something that people were were asking you for or is that something you would have naturally done anyway like for yourself um well one thing okay so as much as i love my album safety net what what was really frustrating for me was i could not match what was on the album on stage unless i brought a bunch Uh of computers and or Mm. triggered backing tracks and and i i mean no disrespect for people who like to do that and absolutely you can do that i didn't want to do that so I really wanted to go more organic. I wanted to kind of go like back to, I guess, I guess my roots, so to speak, like where, where I started, I started with guitar and voice and, um, and I, I wanted to be able to recreate live what's on the album or at least close to it. Like if I really were to recreate this album live, I would need somebody on acoustic guitar and I would need harmony singers. That's, you know, but hopefully mm-hmm. that's down the line one day. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. Like nobody is commenting necessarily on the, on the lyrics or anything, but I know that people like this song. I know that, um, uh, Joel drummers, he's has a, a young daughter. I know she really likes the song. Mm. Like he, he told me she listened to it. She goes, Oh, that's a really good song. Like, you know, and for kids don't, you know, Oh dad making music. Yeah. But he plays music for her all the time. Right. But like yeah, right. this, something in this song really spoke to her. Um, really? which is, and she's 13 now. I think she heard it for the first time and she was like, I don't know, like preteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And like you say, like this kind of, this kind of poured out of you all, all, at, all at once. It's, um, you know, cause it is very, um, it's very plainly stated in, in, in that sense, right? Like you're not masking anything behind imagery or metaphor or anything like that. Like it's just, it's, it's right out on your sleeves with, without any ambiguity yeah. or anything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of doubt. Um, what the, what the intention was in the song. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit worried about people taking it the wrong way because like after the fact, like after I'd already mm. like, but you can't think that way about art. You just have no, to no. express it and people take it as, as they, as they do. Right. Um, yeah, and and at the end of the day, you know, you're an artist, and you're gonna you're gonna express somebody. If you're gonna piss off somebody or upset somebody, it's gonna happen no matter what you do. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if someone gets upset at a song, that probably tells you more about them than about the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. And it's, you know, nothing like uh, having a, a real band in the studio. I'm a I'm an anti-click <laughs> guy myself, and I've. Uh, Are you? Yeah. Yeah, well, because I've worked with John Ashley, and John doesn't need a click, because he did amazing stuff with my band, and we didn't play to a click because I refused. And you don't need to. It's you know, we, computers work for us. We didn't lose a 
we didn't lose the war yet. <laughs> we will, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we're we're starting. We started before the pandemic. When my band is starting to engage in a recording project, and and I'm and I'm the drummer, and I've 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 spent you know the last several decades playing in bands, you know, live and just whatever, right? So me going into a studio and playing to a click is really really hard. I can I can finger drum in my studio and and I'm and I'm fine, but get me on a kit and everything and and it's it's something I've been practicing at and 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 we're and to be honest, we're kind of taking a middle of the road. Some stuff is clicked, some stuff is not. Some stuff we have one song where we naturally sped up in the chorus, so we mm-hmm. we we've got the computers working for us. We mm-hmm. modified the tempo of the click mm-hmm. <laughs> so that it speeds up in the chorus the way that mm-hmm. it was actually mapped off of one of our live rehearsals. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? so, you know, so there there are ways to sort of you know make it make it work for you and what and what you would naturally do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't 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 force you to do anything, but it's mm-hmm. it's the matter of work you want to put into it, really. <laughs> I don't think Led Zeppelin played to a click. (laughs) I don't think the Rolling Stones did either. No. Um, And then if it's if the tempo is supposed to change anyway, it kind of, you know, there's almost no point to to playing to a click. I I should say one more thing about this song and me. It's the first song I've ever written where I have to transition between finger picking and using a pick. And that was a real Ooh. challenge for me. And it it was funny, like I didn't play it live for the longest time because of that. And then Ooh. somebody introduced me to something called a microphone pick holder. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of like <laughs> pro pro artists, like they'll have this little like silicone thing sitting on. So you'll never see me play a show without one now. So it's a silicone um, sleeve that you put on your mic stand and you see all these little picks sticking out of it. So I'll, I'll finger pick and then I'll grab the pick quickly to, to play the chorus and then throw the pick down, finger pick again, and then... Well, it was one thing I actually wanted to ask you about because, I mean, structurally it's interesting because of the tempo change and, and like you say, strumming to, or finger picking to picking, picking. <laughs> and, um, but but when you when you hit the end, won't you go to a purpose where your worst enemies, um, that sounds like a bridge, but then you never go back to a chorus. Yeah, which is I very, know. Which is very unusual. Did, did it just sort of pour out that way or was yeah, that something it, you... It just, it just ended with a little explosion. Cause like what I, it's funny, like I, I don't, I would love to, if I had the ability to make like a really souped up produced video for this, the ending, I see me at a baby shower, just like, like the walls actually literally come down. (laughs) I just start like, like busting out of the place and, and almost like, I don't know if like an army comes in or something that I'm just like, I start like breaking dishes, throwing things, just get out of there. I got to break out of this stupid little, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Matrix, this matrix that we've built mm-hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know the, the ending, yeah. the ending is very explosive compared to the rest it of the is. song. Like it really ramps up. Which is it is. Cool. And then, and even when we play it live, like we, like, you gotta let me, you gotta let me play. Yeah, like yeah, we, great. we, we crescendo on those parts. And then the other thing I do is I turn overdrive on, on the guitar. I don't mm-hmm. use a whole lot of pedals or effects yet, but like I, I switched to overdrive at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably talk about the album artwork a little bit because that, um, is, is the title track. I don't know if you've seen the album artwork, like the cover, but it's, um, it's an illustration of me in the middle of what looks like a wreath with like four things around it. Um, yeah, that yeah. is, it's it's um my depiction of the world card from the tarot 
So, and what the world is associated with is completing a journey or completing a cycle. Uh, so in the, in the tarot, it's like the four fixed astrological signs that are around, around the reef. So it's like an Eagle for Scorpio. I don't know how Scorpio is Eagle, but whatever. And then a man for Aquarius, cause he's the water bearer and a lion for Leo. And, uh, Oh, what's the other one? Oh, good Lord. I don't have it in front of me. Well, it doesn't matter all that much, but anyway, so, uh, in the reef for me is like, I've got the electric guitar, the acoustic guitar, and then my two deceased cats, which also represent femininity, right. And symbolism, uh, on either corner. And they, yeah, they, they died of old age, both of them. And they were actually mother and daughter, interestingly enough. And there's like a parental, so there's, there's so many layers and levels. So yeah, my two angel cats are on either corner. And then I'm in the middle holding a couple of drumsticks instead of batons, which is what the, um, the original image has. So, mm. yeah. So this, this is how I try to fix the world with, with my art to try and make it better. I know I, I can't, but if I express myself without fear, and if I say these things without fear, maybe women or people who identify as women who feel like me will feel a little braver because I really do. And I have to be careful how much I talk about it because I start crying. If I talk about it too much, I feel like I've just been repressed for far too long trying to be what I thought I was supposed to be. And, yeah. you know, and with, with an under, under, underlying feeling of fear all the time of, of stepping out of this mold. But I've clearly cra cracked through the mold now. Like I'm, you know, I'm of a certain age and I'm, and I'm single. I don't have any children. I've made sacrifices for my music. I live a little, a little bit of a bohemian life. And, but that's what I need to be. I can't, I couldn't be that, that, that good little good little wife, that good little mother, that good little quiet, you know, throw baby showers and sit and sip tea and, you know, yeah, yeah. be all and, polite and, and, and demure. And no, that's right. not me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, and, 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 and that's exactly what you've done. You've, you've, you've taken your experience and your personality and your worldview and, and, and stuck it into a song. I mean, it's, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you wrote this because at least it's about something and it's about something that's important to you. And it needs to be heard is better than writing a, you know, a vapid pop song that doesn't really say anything. <laughs> so, Indeed. yeah, absolutely. I probably have a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, not that there's anything wrong with that, yeah. but that's you know, true. The world, the world needs the world needs both. <laughs> so what's uh, what's coming up next? What's coming up next? Um, oh, well, uh, the band, the, the, the band and I actually have a show coming up. Uh, and that is at the Painted Lady on November, Saturday, November 25th. It's a part of something called the International Pop Overthrow Festival. I think that, um, yeah, so it, it was in Hamilton for a few years. It was in Toronto and then it was in Hamilton because um, he couldn't find a venue, the, the David Bash, the, the, the guy who runs it. Um, so it's back in Toronto now. I think this might be my seventh time playing it. Um, I've played it like with different, it's interesting. I've, I've, I played it when I was part of social potion with my ex-husband. I played it with, uh, with, with just Jillian. We did kind of a duo mm -hmm. thing. Um, and now I'm playing solo with my band. Um, nice. and we are, so we're playing, 
So I think it, it runs a number of days. I believe it goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we are playing the Saturday and the Saturday, it actually goes all day. There's an afternoon part of it and then there's an evening part of it. So we're playing within the evening and the artist on right before us is Emily Mack, who incidentally, I interviewed on your show mm-hmm. <laughs> in, tw- in 2017. So I was one of the guest interviewers or guest hosts or what have yeah, you. Yeah, you were and and she was the artist yeah. we were interviewing and she has the same birthday as me, which I also thought was pretty wild. And- and that day you're doing that show is my birthday. So there you go. That's, see, so it just, everything is just all the, coming the together. Are aligning, right? Yeah. So we, um, I think our set is at nine. I think we're third, the third band up. So I believe the music starts at eight and we are band number three, but you should come for the, like catch as much of it as you can because all the bands are quite good. And the sets are not too long. Everyone plays a 30 minute set. So it's a good way to get a lot of good music into into nice. one evening. Yeah. It's a great venue uh-huh. too, Painted Ladies. Yeah, I've actually never played there. Oh no? Good yeah. stuff, good yeah. stuff. Good place. Cool. Okay. I think I'm um, hearing the band. So that is all the time we have on Song Talk Radio. Special thanks to Carmen Toth. Great to Thank see you, you again. Hang out. Um, obviously, it was just, we usually ask where, where our listeners can hear more of your music, but Bandcamp, right? <laughs> yeah, carmentoth.bandcamp.com. And on all the what? social media platforms, I am at, like the, you know, the A with the circle around it, at carmentoth111. So at Carmen Toth 111 on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, um, mm-hmm. on Facebook, on um, what's the other one on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, and TikTok. So that's mm-hmm. that's my handle on all of those. And I also do have a website, CarmenToth.com, but it and it, it'll do for now, but it's not the best website. But <laughs> you will find what you're looking for if you go there. It just mm-hmm. won't look as pretty as some of the other we'll, places. We will certainly send our listeners that way um, on the show post for this episode. And uh, we want to hear from you. So please send your comments on Facebook or Instagram to at Songtalk Radio or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes. And subscribe today to the Songtalk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. You can find links to all the products, books, and web services we mention on the show on our resources page on the website. And please join us at our next monthly Song Talk meetup. Whether you're in Toronto for our in-person meetups or anywhere in the world for our online meetups, it's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend, bring a song and a lyric sheet, and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. Uh, you can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil. At philemory.ca. And Carmen, what's what's your go-to favorite social media channel? Where do you go the most? Oh, um, Instagram is kind of home base for me, interestingly enough. Interestingly enough. It seems to be the, the case for a lot of artists. It's yeah. just a favorite. Um, and uh, be sure to stop by the website, songtalk.ca, to browse past shows, find out how you can be a guest, Thanks for tuning in and keep Keep on on writing. writing. Good night, everyone.